Part 4 of Lion Loose by James H. Schmitz. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Retail Destone unlocked the entry door to her suite and stepped hurriedly inside, letting the door slide shut behind her. She crossed the room to the comweb stand and switched on the playback. There was a succession of tinkling tones which indicated nothing had been recorded. She shut the instrument off again, passing her tongue lightly over her lips. No further messages from Haraga, and none from Quillen. She shook her head, feeling a surge of sharp anxiety, glanced at her watch, and told herself that after all less than two hours had passed since Quillen had gone into the executive block. Haraga reported there had been no indications of a disturbance or excitement when he passed through the big entrance hall on his way out. So Quillen, at any rate, had succeeded in bluffing his way into the upper levels. It remained a desperate play at best. Retal went down the short passage to her bedroom. As she came into the room, her arms were caught from the side at the elbows, pulled suddenly and painfully together behind her. She stood still, frozen with shock. "'In a hurry, sweetheart,' Flewell's flat voice said. Retal managed a breathless giggle. "'Took!' "'You startled me. How did you get in?' She felt one hand move up her arm to her shoulder. Then she was swung around deftly and irresistibly, held pinned back against the wall, still unable to move her arms. He looked at her a moment, asked, "'Where are you hiding at this time?' "'Hiding what, Duke?' "'I've been told sweet little Rita always carries a sweet little gun around with her in some shape or form or other.' Rital shook her head, her eyes widening. Duke, what's the matter? I—' He let go of her suddenly, and his slap exploded against the side of her face. Rital cried out, dropping her head between her hands. Immediately he had her wrists again, and her fingers were jerked away from the jeweled ornament at her hair. "'So that's where it is,' Flewell said. "'Thought it might be. Don't get funny again now, sweetheart. Just stay quiet.' She stayed quiet, wincing a little as he plucked the glittering little device out of her hair. He turned it around in his fingers, examining it, smiled, and slid it into an inside pocket, and took her arm again. "'Let's go into the front room, Retal,' he said almost pleasantly. "'We've got a few things to do.' A minute later she was seated sideways on a lounger, her wrists fastened right and left to its armrests. The Duke placed a pocket recorder on the floor beside her. "'This is a crowded evening, sweetheart,' he remarked, "'which is lucky for you, in a way. We'll have to rush things along a little. I'll snap the recorder on in a minute so you can answer questions. No, keep quiet. Just listen very closely now so that you'll know what the right answers are. If you get rattled and gum things up, the Duke's going to get annoyed with you.' He sat down a few feet away from her, hitched his shoulders to straighten out the silver jacket, and lit a cigarette. "'A little while after bad news Quillen turned up just now,' he went on, "'a few things occurred to me. One of them was that a couple of years ago you and he were operating around Belden at the same time. I thought, well, maybe you knew each other, maybe not. And then—' "'Duke,' Retall said uncertainly. Just what are you talking about? I don't know. Shut up. He reached over, tapped her knee lightly with his fingertips. Of 
of course if you want to get slapped around all right otherwise don't interrupt again like i said you're in luck i don't have much time to spend here you're getting off very easy now just listen bad news knew a lot about our operation and had a story to explain that if the story was straight we couldn't touch him but i was wondering about the two of you happening to be here on the star again at the same time a team maybe eh but he didn't mention you as being in on the deal so what was the idea and then sweetheart i remembered something else and that tied it in no that little jolt people sometimes get when they're dropping off to sleep of course no another time they sometimes get it when they're snapping back out of a moment of truth eh i remembered suddenly i'd felt a little jump like that when we were talking today might have been a reflex of some kind of course it didn't occur to me at the time you might be pulling a lousy stunt like that on old duke why take a chance on getting your neck broken but sweetheart that's the tie-in quillen hasn't told it straight he's got no backing he's on his own there's no gang outside somewhere that knows all about our little deal he got his information right here from you and you got it from dumb old duke eh duke retall said quite calmly can i ask you just one question he stared bleakly at her a moment then grinned it's my night to be big-hearted i guess go ahead i'm not trying to argue but it simply doesn't make sense if i learned about this operation you're speaking of from you what reason could i have had to feed you truth in the first place there'd be an almost fifty-fifty chance that you'd spot it immediately why should i take such a risk don't you see flew shrugged dropped his cigarette and ground it carefully into the carpet with the tip of his shoe you'll start answering those questions yourself almost immediately sweetheart let's not worry about that now let me finish something happened to mauvain a couple of hours ago nobody's fault and something else happened to morris coombs just now that puts me in charge of the operation here nice isn't it when we found coombs lying in the hall with a hole through his stupid head i told baldy perk it looked like bad news had thrown in with the star boys and done it no baldy he's coombs's personal gun not what you'd call bright and he's mighty hot now about coombs i left him in charge on our level with orders to get quillen the next time he shows up there well and good the boys know bad news is rep too well to try asking him questions they won't take chances with him they'll just gun him down together the instant they see him he paused to scuff his shoe over the mark the cigarette had left on the carpet went on but there's no Melancion now he kind of liked Coombs, and he might get suspicious. When there's a sudden vacancy in the organization like that, Gnome takes a good look at the man next in line. He likes to be sure the facts are as stated. So now you know the kind of answers from you I want to hear go down on the recorder, sweetheart. And be sure they sound right. I don't want to waste time on replays. You and Quillen were here on the star you got some idea of what was happening realized you were due to be vaporized along with the rest of them after we left there was no way out of the jam for you unless you could keep the operation from being carried out you don't by the way mention getting any of that information from me 
I don't want Lancion to think I'm beginning to get dopey. You and Quillen just cooked up this story, and he managed to get into the executive block, the idea being to knock off as many of the leaders as he could and mess things up. Flewell picked up the recorder, stood up, and placed it on the chair. That's all you have to remember. You're a smart girl. You can fill in the details any way you like. Now, let's get started. She stared at him silently for an instant, a muscle beginning to twitch in her cheek. If I do that, she said, if I give you a story no more like, what happens next? Just what you're thinking happens next. You're a dead little girl right now, Rita. Might as well get used to the idea. You'd be dead anyway four or five hours from now, so that shouldn't make too much difference. What makes a lot of difference is how unpleasant the thing can get. She drew a long breath. Duke, I... You're stalling, sweetheart. Duke, give me a break. I really don't know a thing about this. I... He looked down at her for a moment. I gave you a break, he said. You've wasted it. Now we'll try it the other way. If we work a few squeals into the recording, that'll make it more convincing to Lancion. He'll figure little Rital's the type who wouldn't spill a thing like that without a little pressure. He checked himself, grinned. And that reminds me. When you're talking for the record, use your own voice. My own voice? She half whispered. No one will remember what you sound like. And I've heard that voice imitations are part of your stock and trade. You might think it was cute if Gnome got to wondering, after you were dead, whether that really had been you talking. Don't try it, sweetheart. He brought a glove out of his jacket pocket, slipped it over his left hand, flexing his fingers to work it into position. Retall's eyes fastened on the rounded metal tips capping thumb, forefinger, and middle finger of the glove. Her face went gray. Duke, she said. No, shut up. He brought out a strip of transparent plastic, moved over to her. The gloved hand went into her hair, gripped it, turned her face up. He laid the plastic gag lengthwise over her mouth, pressed it down, and released it. Retall closed her eyes. That'll keep it shut, he said. Now. His right hand clamped around the back of her neck, forcing her head down and forward almost to her knees. The gloved left hand brushed her hair forwards, then its middle finger touched the skin at a point just above her shoulder blades. Right there, Fluel said. The finger stiffened, drove down. Retal jerked violently, twisted, squirmed sideways, wrists straining against the grip of the armrests. Her breath burst out of her nostrils, followed by squeezed, whining noises. The metal-capped finger continued to grind savagely against the nerve center it had found. Thirty, Fluel said finally. He drew his hand back, pulled her upright again, peeled the gag away from her lips. Only thirty seconds, sweetheart? Think you'd sooner play along now? Rital's head nodded. Fine. Give you a minute to steady up. This doesn't really waste much time, you see. He took up the recorder, sat down on the chair again, watching her. She was breathing raggedly and shallowly, eyes wide and incredulous. She didn't look at him. The Duke lit another cigarette. Incidentally, he observed, if you are stalling because you hoped old bad news might show up, 
Forget it. If the boys haven't gunned him now by now, he's tied up on a job the Commodore gave him to do. He'll be busy another hour or two on that. He... He checked himself. A central section of the wall paneling across the room from him had just dilated open. Old Bad News stood in the concealed sweet portal. Rest Warden Kinmartin slung across his shoulder. Both men moved instantly. Flula's long legs bounced him sideways out of the chair, right hand darting under his coat, coming out with a gun. Quillen turned to the left to get Kinmartin out of the way. The big meum devil seemed to jump into his hand. Both guns spoke together. Flula's gun thudded to the carpet. The Duke said, Ah! in a surprised voice, rolled up his eyes, and followed the gun down. Quillen said, stunned, He was fast. I felt that one parting my hair. He became very solicitous then, after first ascertaining that Flewell had left the executive block unaccompanied, on personal business. He located a painkiller spray in Retall's bedroom and applied it to the bruised point below the back of her neck. She was just beginning to relax gratefully, as the warm glow of the spray washed out the pain and the feeling of paralysis, when Ken Martin, lying on the carpet nearby, began to stir and mutter. Quillen hastily put down the spray. "'Watch him,' he cautioned. "'I'll be right back. If he sits up, yell. He's a bit wild at the moment. If he wakes up and sees the Duke lying there, he'll start climbing the walls.' "'What?' Retall began, but he was gone down the hall. He returned immediately with a glass of water, went down on one knee beside Kinmartin, slid an arm under the rest warden's shoulder, and lifted him to a sitting position. "'Wake up, old pal!' he said loudly. Come on, wake up. Got something good for you here. What are you giving him? Retall asked, cautiously massaging the back of her neck. Knockout drops. I already had to lay him out once. We want to lock him up with his wife now, and if he comes to and tells her what's happened, they'll both be out of their minds by the time we come to get them out. He interrupted himself. Ken Martin's eyes were fluttering. Quillen raised the glass to his lips. Here you are, pal he said in a deep, soothing voice. Drink it. It'll make you feel a lot better. Ken Martin swallowed obediently, swallowed again. His eyelids stopped fluttering. Quillen lowered him to the floor. That ought to do it, he said. What? Retall asked. Did happen? The Duke... Tell you as much as I can after we get Ken Martin out of the way. I have to get back to the executive block. Things are sort of teetering on the edge there. He jerked his head at Flewell's body. "'I want to know about him, too, of course. Think you can walk now?' Retall groaned. "'I can try,' she said. They found Solvay Kinmartin dissolved in tears once more. She flung herself on her husband's body when Quillen placed him on the bed. "'What have these beasts done to Brock?' she demanded fiercely. "'Nothing very bad,' Quillen said soothingly. "'He's um under sedation at the moment, that's all.' We got him away from them now, and he's safe. Look at it that way. You stay here and take care of him. We'll have the whole deal cleared up before morning, doll. Then you can both come out of hiding again. He gave her an encouraging wink. I'm so very grateful to both of you. No trouble, really. But we'd better get back to work on the thing. Heck, Quillen said a few seconds later as he and Retall came out on the other side of the portal. I feel like hell about those two. Nice little characters. Well, if the works blow up, they'll never know it. We'll know it, Retall said meaningly. Start talking. 
He rattled through a brief account of events in the executive block, listened to her report on the Duke's visit, scratched his jaw reflectively. "'That might help,' he observed. "'They're about ready to jump down each other's throats over there right now. A couple more pushes.' He stood staring down at the Duke's body for a moment. Blood soiled the back of the silver jacket, seeping out from a tear above the heart area. Quillen bent down, got his hands under Flewell's armpits, hauled the body upright. Retall asked, startled, "'What are you going to do with it?' "'Something useful, I think. Now wouldn't that shock the Duke? The first time he's been of any use to anybody. Zip through the star's comweb directory, doll, and give me the call symbol for level four of the executive block. Solvay Kinmartin dimmed the lights a trifle in the bedroom, went back to Brock, rearranged the pillows under his head, and bent down to place her lips tenderly to the large bruises on his forehead and the side of his jaw. Then she brought a chair up beside the bed and sat down to watch him. Perhaps a minute later there was a slight noise behind her. Startled, she glanced around, saw something huge, black, and shapeless moving swiftly across the carpet of the room toward her. Solvay quietly fainted. "'Sure you know what to say?' Quillen asked. Retall moistened her lips. "'Just let me go over it in my mind once more.' She was sitting on the floor on the right side of the comweb stand, her face pale and intent. "'You know,' she said, "'this makes me feel a little queasy somehow, Quillen. I suppose they don't fall for it.' "'They'll fall for it.' Quillen was on his knees in front of the stand, supporting Flewell's body, which was sprawled half across it, directly before the lit vision screen. An outflung arm hid the Duke's face from the screen. "'You almost had me thinking I was listening to Flewell when you did the take-off of him this evening. A dying man could be expected to sound a little odd anyway.' He smiled at her encouragingly. "'Ready now?' Retall nodded nervously, cleared her throat. Quillen reached across Flewell, tapped out Level Four's call symbol on the instrument, ducked down below the stand. After a moment there was a click. Retall produced a quavering, agonized groan. Somebody else gasped. "'Duke!' Baldy Perk's voice shouted. "'What's happened?' "'Baldy Perk,' Quillen whispered quickly. Retall stammered hoarsely. "'The commodore Baldy shot me. Shot Morris. Thereafter, Quillen, now—' "'I thought bad news.' Baldy sounds stunned. "'Was wrong.' Baldy, Retall croaked, bad news with us, bad news, pal, the c c common. Beneath the comweb stand, the palm of Quillen's right hand thrust abruptly up and forward. The stand tilted, went crashing back to the floor. Flew's body lurched over with it. The vision screen shattered. Baldy's roaring question was cut off abruptly. Great stuff, doll, Quillen beamed, helping Retall to her feet. You sent shutters down my back. Down mine, too. I'll get him out of here now, ditch him in one of the shut-off sections. Then I'll get back to the executive block. If writers thought to look into Kinmartin's room, they'll really be raving on both sides there now. Is that necessary? Retall asked. For you to go back, I mean. Somebody besides Flewell might have become suspicious of you by now. Writer might, Quillen agreed. He's looked like the sharpest of the lot right from the start. But we'll have to risk that. We've got all the making of a shooting war there now, but we've got to make sure it gets set off before somebody thinks of comparing notes. If I'm around, I'll keep jolting at their nerves. I suppose you're right. Now our group—' Quillen nodded. 
No need to hold off on that any longer, the way things are moving. Get on another comm web and start putting out those Mayday messages right now. As soon as you've rounded the boys up... That might, Retall said, take a little less than an hour. Fine. Then move them right into the executive block. With just a bit of luck, one hour from now should land them in the final stages of a beautiful battle on the upper levels. Give them my description and riders so we don't have accidents. Why riders? Found out he was the boy who took care of the bomb-planting detail. We want him alive. The others might know where it's been tucked away. Haraga says the clerical staff and technicians in there are all wearing the white star uniforms. Anyone else who isn't in one of those uniforms is fair game. He paused. Oh, and tip them off about the halot. God only knows what that thing will be doing when the ruckus starts. How about sending a few men in through the fifth-level portal, the one you've unplugged? Quillen considered, shook his head. No. Down on the ground level is where we want them. They'd have to portal there again from the fifth, and a portal is too easy to seal off and defend. Now let's get a blanket or something to tuck Fluel into. I don't want to feel conspicuous if I run into somebody on the way. End of Part 4